So, good morning. I want first to thank Hans Hermann Hopper for inviting me at this outstanding meeting. Uh, I must say that I, I, I do like what uh, Hans Hermann is writing, and for instance, recently I wrote a review of his last book, which has been translated into French, and I say that everyone ought to read this book, which is very important. I must also say that I'm very uh, happy to be in, in Bodrum, which is called the Turkish Saint-Tropez, after, after, having, after having spent my whole summer in, the, in my house in the French Saint-Tropez. <laughs> so, now about uh, France and uh, the French intellectuals. Um, France uh, has, uh, unhappily, the sad record of being Uh, one country with the highest ratio of uh, public expenditures and taxation, and maybe also the highest ratio of uh, public uh, regulations. And the consequence is that for decades we have had a very low growth rate and a high rate of unemployment. So there is a contrast between two things, this situation in France, and the fact that we had in the past some of the most famous liberal uh, writers, people like Bastia, Jean-Baptiste de Turgot, and so on, there are a lot of, uh, of people, and I will have the opportunity to quote some of them. So we may believe that ideas have consequences, and so we may wonder how it is, why we can explain that uh, these very important liberal writers which have been known all around the world could not convince French people so that France would be a model of liberalism. I must say that I have tried to give an answer to this question for forever, and I'm not certain that uh, I could really find the explanation. And this meeting was for me an opportunity to think again uh, about it. Um, Someone asked once to Milton Friedman, how is it, how can you explain this situation, this contrast between the two things? And Milton Friedman answered, you know, in order to describe hell, you have to live inside it. <laughs> so this is true, this is true, but anyhow, anyhow, the most important liberal Uh, thinkers have written their book at a period which was not the worst. Uh, France, uh, it was at the beginning of the 19th century, and little by little France has become less and less liberal, especially in the 20th and 21st century, and I think that right now we are in hell, I have to, uh, to accept that. But it is not during these recent decades that these important liberal uh, uh, writers uh, wrote their books. Therefore, we may assume that there is a reverse causality. State interventionism is an obstacle to the development of liberal ideas. And I think I can give some example of that in my presentation. In reality, there has always been in France the juxtaposition of liberal and extremely interventionist and authoritarian ideas. 
And I will try to summarize this uh, history, both history of France and history of intellectual ideas. Uh, in the 18th century, the, the physiocrats believed in the importance of individual freedom. One of them is very famous, Turgot, who is a great liberal. And the physiocrats, I think, led the foundation for a liberalism which will develop later in French and English, uh, for instance, uh, Adam Smith. The French Revolution in uh, uh, 1789 may be considered as an example of the influence of ideas on social events. In fact, one may consider that the physiocrats had contributed to a change in public opinion, and thus the revolution, the French Revolution, has been a strong supporter of individual freedom, freedom of contract, and human rights. The official motto, as you may know, the official motto in France is freedom, equality, fraternity. It appeared during the revolution, but it became the official motto in the Constitution of 1848. Initially, equality meant equality in rights, as it has been claimed in the declarations of the rights of people and citizens of the revolution, according to which the, uh, there is a famous sentence, all human beings are born free and equal in rights. However, in the 20th century, particularly, equality has been interpreted as an equality in standards of life and a justification for redistributive policies. However, the French Revolution also offers to us an example of the ambiguity of French ideologies and policies. As soon as 1793, there was what has been called the terror, a period uh, in which the state uh, statesmen uh, killed their opponents. And uh, the revolution also, I think, uh, put the basis for a development of public powers. Some years later, Napoleon, Emperor Napoleon, uh, took the power and he developed very uh, important state activities and uh, uh, authoritarian and an authoritarian regime. And in particular, uh, he uh, decided that education had to be done by the state, which has, I think, many consequences. At that time, uh, certainly, liberal ideas had not disappeared. It has been the time with the most famous liberal writers, and I can quote some of them, only, and you know, I suppose, most of them, Benjamin Constant, for instance, who thought that uh, uh, the politic political power, even if it is democratic, has to be limited in order to be respectful of individual liberty. I think that the best one is Frédéric Bastia. I will not try to summarize the ideas of Bastia. I suppose that most of you have read Bastia, and if you have not, uh, as soon as you come back to your home, you buy books by Bastian, you read them. <laughs> He's really fantastic. <laughs> But it is characteristic that from the end 
of the 19th century until quite recently, it was impossible to buy a book by Bastia in France. And it was in uh, 1983 that a friend of mine, Florian Aftalion, decided to publish a book with several texts of uh, Bastia. So it had been completely forgotten. Jean-Baptiste Say is another well-known liberal ideas, and uh, for instance, you know, says law, which can be considered as a fruitful argument against Keynesianism. So uh, what is uh, characteristic is that in the 19th century, liberals were called economists, and the opponents were socialists. For instance, you find that in uh, Gustave de Molinari, it's a very, very interesting book, in which there is a, a dialogue between different persons, the economists, the socialists, and the conservatives, and you can find in Molitari, Molinari what will be said later on by Hayek, who said that the real uh, distinction is not between the right and the left, but between constructivists, uh, constructivists and liberals. Constructivists can be on the left or the right, but the real opposition is that. And I think Hayek is uh, certainly right, but Molinari said about the same, uh, the same thing. So, uh, Liberal economists, anyhow, uh, have been important in France in the 19th century. They had created a, a magazine, the Journal des Economistes. Um, but strangely enough, they were not, uh, most of them, university professors, and I will explain why later on. Um, anyhow, uh, this period, the beginning of the 19th century, maybe uh, an illustration of the fact that there has always been uh, a divergence between dominant ideas. We had these great liberals, but at the same time, we had Saint-Simon. Saint-Simon, who believed that the human will can rationally uh, decide economic activities. And the members of the Saint-Simon Saint uh, school, the Saint-Simonian, who are also called positivists, uh, are against private property, and they suggest that the state be the owner of the means of production. Also at that time, there was Fourier who suggested to create phalanster, corporations uh, where workers would live together and would uh, own uh, the, the factors of production. Proudhon is famous for having said, what is property? It is robbery. So there were a lot of divergence between intellectuals in this period, both liberals and very interventionist uh, ideology. Uh, Hayek has given, I think, a good explanation of that, and maybe the best explanation of the French situation. I must say that I'm very, uh, I'm very admi admiring uh, Hayek, uh, he had a knowledge of uh, French history and French uh, writers, which is really exceptional. And just to summarize, um, he has a, a methodological explanation. He says that at the end of the uh, 18th century and the beginning of the 19th century, uh, France had some of the most famous physicists. And people thought that the method 
pragmatic method, empirical method, which have been fruitful in physics and other, uh, other science, could be applied uh, to social science and that people could uh, know how to manage uh, a society. And that this was, according to Hayek, this was the beginning of what he calls the so social engineers. And I think he's right, we had a lot uh, of social engineers until, until now. People who believe that they can rationally organize a society. Uh, from this point of view, Hayek uh, stressed uh, the importance of uh, the Ecole Polytechnique, the Polytechnic School, uh, which has uh, uh, educated a lot of, uh, uh, a great part of the French elite, even now, either in business or in politics. Many people are former students of the Ecole Polytechnique, and these people are positivists, as they are called by Hayek. I must say that uh, if ever Hayek was to write his book again now, he would stress not only the importance of the, the polytechnic school, but also of what is called the school of national administration, or the national school of administration, which is uh, educating people who will become uh, high civil servants. And so most high civil servants in France and politicians are former students of this school. And just to give an anecdote, strangely enough, I was asked once to deliver a course on international economics to the students of this uh, administration school. And the president of the school told me, but first you have to meet the students to explain what you want to, to, to deliver as lectures. So I did it, I explained uh, theory of uh, uh, international trade and so on. And all students, all of them, answered to me, we are not interested in ideas. We don't want to understand. We want to know how politicians decide. So you see that the education in this school is very bad. <laughs> they don't want to understand. It is very bad. It is, uh, it is corporation, sometimes. But most, as I told you, most people who are in charge of France are former students from this, uh, uh, from this school. Um, Hayek, uh, to come back to Hayek, he has also written in his book, The Counter-Revolution of Science, he has written a lot about Saint-Simon and the Saint-Simon school, the Saint-Simonian, the positivist, and he says, uh, rightly, that they have played an important role role in French ideology and French policies. So the characteristic of the French society and French politics are certainly contrary to what the famous liberal thinkers have written, but they are coherent with other dominant ideas, the ideas of the positivist. And from this point of view, there is not a paradox in France, in France uh, but there is a coherence between these realities and part of the intellectual uh, mainstream. Hayek has uh, uh, devoted many pages in his book uh, uh, to, to, dis to discuss sentiment ideas, and he says that he has inspired Hegel. From this point of view, it can be said that ideas have consequences, at least bad ideas, unhappily. 
and the importance of Marxist ideas in France in the 20th century may be considered as coherent with the importance of Saint-Simonian idea. I must say that I have always been uh, fascinated by the attention given by Hayek to French problems, which may mean that it is impossible to find in other parts of the world uh, some uh, uh, similar situations. Uh, Friedrich Hayek used to say, if ever, one day in the future, France is liberal, it will mean that the whole world had already been. So, <laughs> thus he considered that uh, France was the less liberal country in the world. And let me just uh, quote um, uh, something which is one of my great mem memories with some friends of mine we had organized a, a lecture of Hayek in the National Assembly. And uh, the day after, I visited him, and he told me, you and your friends are part of the hope I have in the world. <laughs> he just considered that having liberals in France was something very important, uh, given the, 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 the idea he had about France. So let me just uh, come back a little to the beginning of the 19th century to stress that, in fact, the policies which have been made, economic policies, uh, I have an economist, I am an economist, so I am uh, focusing on the uh, economics. Uh, economic policies in the 19th century can be considered as liberal policies, free trade, and, uh, etc. It was the development of uh, capitalism and so on. Uh, but at the end of the 19th century, there was a development of uh, social Catholicism. And in the 20th century, it was very uh, active, and uh, social, social Catholicism has inspired many uh, organizations. We had a great influence in, uh, in France. Uh, but uh, Marxism also has been very influential in France in the 20th century. After the Second World War, it has been, I think, the most important ideology uh, in France, in particular in universities. Uh, at the end of the uh, 19th century, a revolutionary trade union had been created, uh, CGT, uh, and this uh, trade union is still very uh, active and it is at the origin of many of the strikes we have. We may be also a record state as regards the number of strikes. Let me uh, point out some things uh, about uh, education in the 19th and 20th century. Uh, France has always been a very centralized country with a very strong state. And uh, we, uh, are, we have always been in a situation in which the state had the possibility to influence mainstream ideas. For instance, uh, in education, there is a monopoly of the state. All schools, nearly all schools, are public schools. It is forbidden to have in France more than 20% of private schools, even now. And even those so-called private schools are obliged to hire the professors uh, nominated by the state, and they have to, uh, to teach the program decided by the uh, 
<coughs> Ministry of Education. So there is a very great influence uh, of the state. That's why I told you that there may be a reverse causality. It is not ideal and happily uh, when they are uh, liberal who are influencing uh, the society and policies, but uh, the state has a possibility to influence uh, ideas. As regards universities, all of them are public universities and they are developing uh, ideas we are in favor of, uh, uh, of the state. I must say, believe me, that it is not that easy to be a liberal in a French university. Uh, and whenever, for instance, a student came to me to write with me his doctoral dissertation, I felt that I had to tell him, you know, to take a risk, because if, for instance, if ever you want to become, uh, to have a, a, an academic job, it is dangerous to have written the dissertation with me. Uh, but <laughs> anyhow, some of them, some of them did it, and some very good students, but unhappily, most of them are out of France now, and I do regret that. Um, so, uh, in the, the, the end of the 19th century and in the 20th century, there were still some, uh, um, some uh, professors of economics who were considered as liberals, but in fact they were quite often in favor of state uh, interventionism. Uh, and uh, the socialists have been more and more <coughs> influential. Uh, during the Second World War, communists had first been close to Russia and Germany, uh, but some trade unions uh, came close to the liberalization movement. And at the end of the war, General de Gaulle, uh, who is considered as a conservative politician, in fact was very close to communists and uh, socialist. And uh, uh, several ministers at that time have been communist, and uh, state uh, interventions have been, many state interventions have been created at that time, and they still exist uh, now, and many uh, banks and firms have been nationalized. Uh, General de Gaulle used to say that planning is an ardent obligation. So he was, he's considered as being on the right, but he was in fact very interventionist. For long, the Communist Party has had uh, members in the parliament, uh, and we have had several communist ministers. Now the Communist Party has nearly disappeared, but we have very active extreme left parties. Um, the social Catholicism, which I have uh, uh, already quoted, has been developing uh, and inspired many ideas and many uh, policies. Um, I must say that in this context, I did not uh, uh, learn anything about liberalism when I was uh, at school and when I was at university. However, uh, learning microeconomics, I had the feeling that, in, that individual behavior uh, has to be considered as a foundation of any understanding of economics. Let me quote some economists uh, who were considered as liberal after the Second World, uh, World War. There is Maurice Allais, 
Maurice Allais has, uh, has got the Nobel Prize in economics. But he, in fact, he had some liberal personal inspiration, but he tried to create a synthesis between liberalism and socialism. For instance, he claimed that profits and interest rates should be suppressed. He was in favor of collective uh, property for soil. Um, he participated into the first meeting, meeting of the Montpellier Society, but he declined becoming a member because he, he thought that uh, the Montpellier Society stressed too much the importance of private property rights, which means that he was not really liberal. He was a former student of this Ecole Polytechnique, which has been uh, quoted by Hayek, and his methodology was closer to positivism than certainly to Austrian methodology. He developed mathematical models of economics, uh, and he can be considered uh, as a social engineer, uh, according to the word of uh, uh, Hayek. Uh, Allais was even in favor of protectionism, and quite often people told me, but you know, why not protectionism? You see, a liberal like Allais is protectionist. So that's a, a symptom of the ambiguity of ideas in, in France. Uh, there is a tremendous gap between uh, an economist like Maurice Allais and Frédéric Bastia. I, I, I say that because in my book, which is uh, titled Liberalism, I am doing a comparison between both, and I consider that uh, uh, Frédéric Bastia is a representative of what I call humanistic liberalism, and Maurice Allais is representative of what I call utilitarian liberalism. And the comparison between both, uh, I think, is an illustration of the change in ideas in France between the beginning of the 19th century and the recent period. Um, I just uh, quoted Maurice Allais uh, after the Second World War. Uh, I could quote Bertrand de Jouvenel. I will quote it again uh, later. And Jacques Rueff is also someone who is very famous uh, as a liberal, but he is also an utilitarian liberalist. Um, he, is also, he was also a former student uh, of the political school and, in some sense, a, a social engineer. He has been a high civil servant. He has been director of the Treasury. Uh, and uh, he has been, I have the feeling, more famous as a uh, high civil servant than as a, uh, someone uh, having some uh, liberal ideas. Uh, may I just quote a, an anecdote? We, we had the opportunity, my wife and I, to invite for dinner at home Frédéric Hayek with Jacques Rueff. They did not debate together, but, and they had friendly relations, but in fact they were very different. <laughs> uh, Jacques Rueff was certainly not really a Hayekian. Um, he considered that uh, liberalism was, was fine because uh, the price system made possible economic equilibrium. So he was against uh, uh, inter state intervention 
modifying the price system, regulations, for instance, on prices, but he never criticized, for instance, taxation, because he thought that taxation was not modifying the price system. So, you know, he had a, a, a view of liberalism as something efficient for the price system and not as something which is ethically uh, founded. So, he's also an example of, uh, uh, of this uh, uh, characteristic of many uh, French economists as uh, social engineers. At the same period, uh, some politicians have been considered as uh, liberal, um, but in fact, they developed, they developed interventionist policies. One of them is um, Raymond Barr, who has been a prime minister. And I remember that once I asked Raymond Barr, when he was prime minister, um, to, uh, to meet with uh, Frédéric Hayek, who was then in Paris, and me. So we went, uh, Hayek and I, we went to visit uh, Raymond Barr, who had translated in the past, uh, in French, part of the counter-revolution of science of Hayek. But he did not translate the chapters about France, which is really <laughs> strange. And so I was surprised because uh, our meeting uh, could last only a quarter of an hour, and it seemed that Raymond Barr was not really interested in meeting Hayek. And Hayek told him that he had to do a very strong uh, policy against inflation, and Raymond Barr laughed. Oh, it's not that is as easy as you believe. <laughs> he was really <laughs> not very close to, uh, to Hayek. So in spite of the fact he was considered as a liberal prime minister. Giscard d'Estaing, who has been the president of the Republic just before Mitterrand, the terrific socialist president, said that he was, he was developing advanced liberalism. But in fact, uh, I had always the impression that he was preparing uh, the, uh, the, the, the coming of socialists. Whenever the socialists were proposing uh, something, he did not uh, propose the river, a contrary uh, policy, but he said, okay, that's good, but maybe we have to do it a little smaller. And uh, he had said that, tax, that France would become a socialist country if ever taxation was 40%. But during his presidency, taxation increased from 33% to nearly 40%. So he really uh, transformed France in a, into a socialist country as a liberal. After he had been a president, I had the, the opportunity of a meeting with Giscard d'Estaing. And um, I asked, uh, Mitterrand was the president, and I, I asked him, but why have you not done a liberal policy when you were the president of the Republic? And he answered, as there was an economic crisis, I did not want to implement liberal policies because people would have said that liberalism was responsible for the economic crisis. <laughs> he had not understood that liberalism was a way to solve, to cure the economic crisis. So after Giscard d'Estaing, we had this terrific socialist president, Mitterrand, who uh, developed uh, many uh, interventionist policies, nationalized banks, 
firms, uh, increased regulation, taxation, and so on. And uh, quite he was elected in 81, 1981, and very rapidly, people had the feeling that he was not successful. And liberal ideas were growing in importance. I was very optimistic at that time, uh, and with uh, some uh, friends, we organized uh, regular meetings with liberal politicians in order to prepare the alternation, because we knew that in the 86 there would be uh, an election at the National Assembly, and that probably uh, the right would be uh, successful, which has been the case. Um, therefore, uh, and at that time, Jacques Chirac was considered as the, as the leader of the right, and in fact, in the 86, he became the prime minister. Mitterrand was still the president of the republic. And uh, Jacques Chirac had said that we, had we should de develop uh, a, what he called travailliste à la française, uh, I, I should translate that, a labor philosophy at the French fashion. But he discovered that uh, liberal ideas were getting more importance, and so he asked me to uh, organize, to, to make an interview of him in order to give the feeling that he was a liberal. So uh, I did a very long interview. I, I must say I wrote both the questions and the answers. <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, we had the opportunity to discuss with uh, uh, Chirac and his advisor, Alain Juppé, who will be later on his prime minister. And they more or less agree, they agreed with what I, what, I, what I wrote. But some, some months later, he made some statements quite different from what I had written in the interview. And my children laughed at me <laughs> because that was a, a, Anyhow, in the 86, uh, he has been the, the, the right uh, won the, the, the election at the National Assembly. I was still very, uh, very uh, uh, optimist because uh, there were six uh, liberal ministers, ministers who, who were very close friends of mine, but Jacques Chirac was the prime minister and he did not do uh, liberal policies, uh, except maybe uh, he suppressed happily the uh, wealth tax created by Mitterrand. But anyhow, two years later, in 88, he lost the presidential election, and people said that he lost because he had done liberal policies. And, and that's always been, that has always been a similar problem in France. Let me, I know I have not much time, maybe I, but may just add something. I, I just would like to, uh, to come back to the problem of uh, uh, education, and, and especially education in economics, because I think that liberal ideas are quite often uh, expressed by uh, economists. Um, for long, there has not been a department of economics in France, and even when I began my, to be a student, uh, I, I had to be a student in law, and there was only one course in economics. And, uh, but, uh, so, economics were considered as uh, uh, being uh, a part of law. You may say that the lawyer can be liberal, but maybe not in France, 
where the state is so important and there are so many laws, so lawyers are inclined to, uh, to care mainly about existing laws and not about uh, ethical problems. Um, uh, so, uh, it, it, may be, it may be one reason why uh, liberal ideas uh, did not uh, develop in, uh, in French universities. Um, according to a, a French economist who, who have studied this problem, uh, at the end of the 19th century, among professors of economics, 64% were liberal and only 9% socialist. In 1970, liberals were only 8% and socialists 32%, which means that there has been a, 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 a great change. The Journal des Economistes, the magazine Journal des Economistes, which had been founded uh, by liberal economists in the, uh, in, in the 19th century, disappeared, and a new magazine came to educate uh, uh, politicians, uh, high civil servants, and, uh, and so on. All the economists I have known from the 50s to the 80s were Marxists, and or Keynesian. Uh, Napoleon had decided a, a monopoly in the teaching of law, and this monopoly extended to economics, and there has always been a vicious circle between state activities and academic activity. From this point of view, one might say that ideas have consequences, but ideas may be manipulated by public authority. And to end, I would like to uh, to give some uh, personal uh, memories. Uh, when I was a student, I remember that I was taught something which was more or less a sort of social chatter with good feelings, uh, uh, more or less inspired by uh, Catholic, uh, uh, social, social Catholicism. And uh, with a few friends, we had the feelings that we did not uh, learn economics, and we created what we called the Jean-Baptiste C Seminar, which still exists. Uh, and our professors told us, you are reading American magazine, and you are therefore in the trailer of American imperialism. <laughs> you ought to develop a purely French way of thinking. So, uh, uh, the Little by little, we, we discovered uh, uh, economics um, by reading uh, American and British mag magazine. Um, uh, at, that, at that time, Keynesianism was not that developed. It developed very rapidly uh, later on. Um, and uh, for instance, we had been surprised with my friend to discover that uh, Jacques Rueff did not know anything about uh, about Keynes. But our first discovery was the Chicago School because we wrote a book on permanent income and it gave me the opportunity to meet uh, uh, Milton Friedman. I discovered uh, Robert Mandel, uh, whose writings inspired my doctoral dissertation. I still consider that uh, he's a, a great economist uh, and that it is possible to, to find uh, some coherence between what he developed uh, and Austrian economics, except as regards the optimum 
monetary area. And later on, but rather late, I discovered Hayek and the Austrian school. And I had immediately the feeling that I had always been an Austrian without knowing it. I think that the first text I had uh, to read was The Role of Knowledge in Society of Hayek. Uh, in two, if I can just add uh, one uh, uh, personal anecdote, anecdote, in 2004, I was uh, appointed as the president of what we call concours d'aggregation. It is a recruiting committee every two years there is a committee which is appointed to no nominate all the new professors in economics for all French universities, which is important. So it may be considered as strange that I was appointed as president, uh, but it was because there, are, there were rules and I had to be, and the Minister of Education so uh, uh, decided to appoint me. But there has been a terrific media campaign against me and the jury. Because people said, it is not normal that a liberal be the president of this committee to recruit professors in economics, just to show you how intolerant is uh, the opinion. And so it has been a very, very difficult uh, time. And I would like to finish with two things. First, I would like to quote the following. I just finished a book in which I uh, republish articles I have published in uh, newspapers for more than 40 years. And the title for the time, the provi provisional title I give to my book is Right and Left United in Errors. <laughs> uh, I want to show that there has been uh, a lot of alternations, and especially when socialist governments were failing, as they did. People thought that the right would do better, but the right did exactly the same policies. And taxation, for instance, and regulations uh, steadily increased uh, from Giscard d'Estaing and Mitterrand to now. Uh, that's why we, we are a record country. Uh, so uh, the, the problem is that each time the right is in power, it fails, it cannot solve French problems. And people say, you see, liberal policies have, have failed. Liberalism is a bad solution. Just because they are on the right, it is considered that they are doing liberal policies. In fact, they are doing socialist policies. That's a real great problem in France. And I would like to conclude, to conclude with a, an idea of Bertrand de Jouvenel. Uh, Bertrand de Jouvenel said that whenever the state is important, is powerful, people do not try to fight the state, but they try to get the power. Uh, and so uh, I think that in that case, people are more inclined to care about politics than about ideas. There is a politicization of social life in France, and people are more concerned by the choice of politicians than by their programs and the role of the state. It can be considered as an illustration of the famous sentence of Bastia, the state is this great illusion according to which anyone tries to live at the expense of others.
Therefore, political debates and intellectual debates are more interested by the possibility for specific categories of people to get power than by general views on the working of the society. And this may be one more reason why liberals have difficulties in being heard. Thank you.